Hello and welcome back to Miss Macintosh, my darling. The commentary. We're on page. No, we're on chapter sixty-nine. Um, yep, the recordings sixty-seven, sixty-eight. All those got chopped up pretty bad. Sorry about that. And one of them, sixty-seven, is like in between sixty-eight. It, the, the two sections of sixty-eight. I I don't know why. <sighs> but other otherwise, so they're there. It's just a little mixed up in the order. So we're on chapter sixty-nine character list Vera Cartwheel, Dr. O'Leary, the Tavern Landlord, and Sarah O'Leary. So Sarah O'Leary is, I put here, it's a ghost Dr. O'Leary sees, but is a housekeeper at the tavern. But it also is uh, Dr. O'Leary's sister, but she died in infancy. So there's, some, okay, so I, th I think I need to add some more. Well, I also that kind of, sorry, that kind of gives it away. I'm not really sure. Okay, I'm just going to put Sarah O'Leary because it is the dead sister of Dr. O'Leary, but is also a ghost that he talks to and he thinks is trying to sleep with him. We'll find out why. And I think that is really a housekeeper. Yeah, it's fun, fun, fun times. Okay, synopsis. Vera gets a room at the tavern and is kept up all night by the occupants in the other rooms. Paragraph one, Vera describes her room once she gets to it. Two, Vera looks at herself in the mirror and she describes her eyes were like two silver fishes detaching themselves from a porous underwater flower. The rocking chair in the room creaked and groaned, reflecting my consciousness. It was cold. Three, Vera thought the tavern landlord was just as talkative as Mr. Weed, but not as colorful. He was big and brawny, whereas Mr. Weed was thin and weak looking. Vera, want, <clears throat> Vera wanted to ask more about Mr. Weed, but the tavern landlord instead went on about himself and his happy marriage in this old tavern, which was going to rack and ruin and the high cost of living and the bus driver and the bus driver's old mother and the landlord's wife, who had been a circus fat lady. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, the tavern landlord thought Mr. Weed was a mere transient. The tavern landlord has seen more interesting things like Doc O'Leary and Barnum's Seven Wonders lamer ducks than the hangman <clears throat> okay why do i okay no, I'm not... why what was he to the landlord but a mere transient the landlord had seen old Doc O'Leary and Barnum's Seven Wonders of the Universe, The Big Tent. Phineas Taylor Barnum was an American showman, businessman, and politician remembered for promoting celebrated hoaxes and founding the Barnum and Bailey Circus with James Anthony Bailey. Barnum went on to create America's first aquarium and to expand the wax figure department of his museum. His seven grand salons demonstrated the seven wonders of the world, which claimed 850,000 curiosities. The tavern landlord claimed that after an execution, Mr. Weed's shadow got loose and said things he would otherwise never say. The hangman's shadow was, however, the landlord had admitted in some ways more interesting than the hangman himself, who was famous for his closed-mouthed closed understatements. And this is a throwback to Mr. Spitzer and his twin selves. Hey, let me shorten something up over here. Yeah, that, that's here twice, so I'm going to shorten this up.
Okay. Four, the tavern landlord told Vera she would get a good night's sleep if I heard wings rustling. Those would be 30 turkey buzzards who also occupied this corridor. They were big and dusty with dust-rimmed golden eyes. They were chained. They could not get loose. Five, the tavern landlord teased Vera that they were actually canaries that were as big as turkey buzzards. Vera is using Ms. McIntosh's wardrobe trunk. The tavern landlord appears to be deaf in one ear. He says the canaries belong to an old woman, and there is a young girl across the hall from Vera named Tilly, and she will knit you a babyhood. The canaries are a throwback to Catherine's immortal canary at the beginning of the story. Six, Vera thought he had misunderstood, then realized he was talking of two different people when he was talking about one person. Always of one person, for as if in ocean depths the two were one. The tavern landlord said Mr. Weed was unpopular not because of being a Christian hangman, but because he was notoriously successful in his other enterprises. I don't know what those enterprises are. Seven, the tavern landlord said, as long as I was a sailor, my old mother never once worried about me. She said I was born to drown, not to hang. So when the ship went down, Never mind, that doesn't work. Okay. Well, this will be one of many typos. So, as long as I was a sailor, my old mother never once worried about me. She said I was born to drown, not to hang. Eight. Vera heard the hangman above her and wondered if he had hung himself. She thought about his watch he had said was never wound, the tiny watch which had dangled at the end of a black ribbon like a world, a world within a world. Nine, the tavern landlord explains to Vera that if she hears sleigh bells, it is the newspaper man riding on a child's sled with roller skates because his legs were blown off in the last war. His room under the stairs was big enough for a man's head, but not big enough for a man's body. Why should it be? The last war may refer to World War II since World War I was referred to as the Great War. 10. The tavern landlord says he only pays half price because he has no legs. He reports all the news of what happened here 10, 15, 20 years ago. He reports all the news at, on Old Doc O'Leary and I'm a Daisy and the Turtle Race. 11. Vera asks, Who is I'm a Daisy and the. Who? Vera asks, Who I'm a Daisy is and the tavern landlord replies, Nobody. I'm going to change this to the newspaper man. Yes, I have ordered your seed. It will be here. Don't worry. Oh, I need to order the other. My sparrows have been showing up on my porch and looking in the window. I'm like, are you going to remember to feed us? Um... So I don't know who I'm a Daisy is. Twelve. Vera was surprised by Mr. Weed's stories, but the tavern landlord said he'd heard them all before. The story of a man who confessed to a murder 20 years after he committed it, the so-called perfect crime. There had been no clue but a woman's hair on his coat sleeve and nobody had noticed it. This mirrors Mr. Weed picking a single hair from his coat earlier. The landlord got tired of hearing the same old refrain, the same old story of the blind hunting dog or the hairless pig that got loose, or the mad butcher who sold human beings his hands and sides of beef. The mad butcher had kept a perfectly preserved woman in his refrigerator and was going to sell her for beef stew. The only thing different was this time Mr. Weed found a black poker chip, but that didn't seem unusual to the tavern landlord since he just found an artificial blue eye this morning. The hangman was not at all the man he seemed, but a prosperous farmer and the soul of respectability. 
The tavern landlord explained that Mr. Weed had a dairy, grain, and fruit farm, and with the earnings from the hangings, he invested in his farm with all the latest machinery, the latest improvements. 13. The tavern landlord seems insulted that Vera thinks he is older than Mr. Weed. By God, I am the one who has been around the world. I am the one who has seen what I have seen. He goes on to claim that he was a candy merchant at 10 years old and then a magician, a ventriloquist, a sailor, a soldier, and a hunter of big game. He claims he was intelligent in the last war and can speak French. He has seen many places except America, which his wife thought he should see first. Remember the Maine. Remember the Marne may refer to remember the Maine to hell with Spain after the USS Maine. It was a United States Navy ship that sank in Havana Harbor on February 15, 1898, contributing to the outbreak of the Spanish-American War in April 1898. Although the USS Maine explosion was not a direct cause, it served as a catalyst that accelerated the events leading up to the war. There's a name for that. I forgot what it was. Hagenbeck's out of Berlin may refer to the Tierpark Hagenbeck is a zoo in to the Tierpark Hagenbeck Zoo in Stellengenhemberg, Germany. The collection began in 1863 with animals that belonged to Carl Hagenbeck Sr. A fishmonger who became an amateur animal collector. Hmm. The park itself was founded by Carl Hagenbach Jr. in 1907. It is known for being the first zoo to use open enclosures surrounded by moats rather than barred cages to better approximate animals' natural environments. Among his collections, however, were also human beings whom he exhibited in human zoos. Hagenbeck died in 1913, but his zoo remained popular until the political situation in Europe swept the zoo into hard times. During World War I, many of the keepers were drafted into the German army. Because the military had taken horses from civilians for use at the front, many of Hagenbeck's animals were rented out for use as drought draft animals for hauling coal and wood on home deliveries. It was not unusual to see elephants and trained bears hitched up to heavy wagons. After the war, the zoo closed for two years as Germany entered into a deep depression. Then, during the bombing of Hamburg in World War II, the original zoo was destroyed. After the war, the zoo was rebuilt. The private zoo is still run by the Hagenbeck family. The tavern landlord had seen elephants copulating, though God said in the Bible his wife reminded him that nobody had ever seen such a thing. God did not know what he was talking about, or else times had changed. God had never been in the hotel business. That's a lot. Okay, it's a lot of really interesting information about the zoo, but I'm not sure if I should keep all of that in. So... I'm keeping the human zoo, because, you know. Um, yeah. Fourteen, Vera again noticed that no clock struck the hour. She learns about the town's little sister, Sarah, who died at one or sixty. Yeah, so there's Sarah O'Leary. She either died in it as an infant or she died when she's sixty. I don't know. We never really kind of find out, but there is a grave. That is described later. So, 
Her family has forgotten her, and the tavern landlord is the only one who remembers her and asks her not to molest the doctor. Fifteen, apparently, Sarah in the night tries to get into bed with Dr. O'Leary in order to get pregnant. Since the doctor is a physician whose history was long and honorable without blot, without stain, Sarah is causing his disgrace in the public eye. Sixteen, Dr. O'Leary tells Sarah to leave him alone. Seventeen, Dr. O'Leary cannot help her now, and Sarah must go to where all lost things were and not scratch at him, claw at him, imagine he could give life to her. Eighteen, Vera thought he was drunk, so his observation seemed united with my own secret life. So sorry, it jumps from the tavern, from Vera talking to the ta talking to the tavern landlord, to her overhearing Doctor O'Leary very, very suddenly. There, I'm sure it's a better transition in the story. <clears throat> Nineteen. Vera sympathizes with Doctor O'Leary, not answering him. Vera imagines what Sarah looks like, how ugly she was. This poor, sniffling, thin-haunched woman who sat on her knees on the floor, rocking back and forth with her gray hair streaming over her eyes and her hands folded. 20. Dr. O'Leary tells Sarah to bite her family and leave them alone. 21. Vera had brought her own pillow to sleep on. The fire escape in, is in her room and the red light shines through the glass door. She imagines what people would look like streaming past her if there was a fire. She was almost asleep when two people started fighting in another room. It was Dr. O'Leary fighting with someone who was not talking back. 22. Dr. Justice O'Leary, the best medical practitioner this country ever saw, did not know the bus driver Moses had been talking about him. The doctor was happily unaware of this routine matter, caught as he was in a marvelous routine of his own. 23. Dr. O'Leary never gave up on life so long as there was hope. He claims to have seen a mist or vapor when he first saw a man die. Even though he had listened and listened, he had never heard anything at all go out of the room. Death had ceased to be a drama. 24. Vera listened to how Sarah was disgracing the doctor. 25. Dr. O'Leary wonders why Sarah is haunting him. Everyone thinks Sarah died and was buried at age one. The doctor claims to stick to independent thought, but has accepted the public opinion that she had lived to be old enough to run away with a traveling salesman. There's a lot of traveling salesmen in this book, and they are just up to no good. Apparently, she had disgraced herself more than once, and in the public eye which saw all things was God's eye. Suppose that God winked, God would still see her. Sarah was the most beautiful woman in Seven counties, and everyone knew her. That, And everyone that knew her knew her. thought she had no pride, no reticence, not a remnant, none, none, not a straw. Sarah mirrors Jacqueline. Jackie earlier in the story as being beautiful as a beautiful woman who sleeps with many men. Man, I have a lot of typos. Twenty-six. The doctor says the outside looks like a young woman, but the inside is corruption. He describes her as wormwood. Culturally, wormwood has been used in the Christian Bible to connote something incredibly bitter. In the book of Revelation, it is used as the name of the star. In Hamlet, he uses the word wormwood to describe the situation he believes is going on with his family. 
27, Vera listens to the sounds of sex in the room where the doctor is staying. He cries, oh God, let this cup pass from him. From Matthew 26, 39, where Jesus is asking God if he has to go through with this. The doctor cries out that he is old and he is crippled and blind now. He wanted Sarah to leave him alone. He thought he was still seeing patients, so needed his privacy. Could not Sarah see all these women streaming in, each with her morning sickness, each with her swollen nipples, each with her complaints against the male? Many a woman was brought to childbed against her will. Many a woman had asked for his help, but had he ever given it? For God knew he was no abortionist, and why should he be for whom all of life was an abortion of misshapen things, dreams which would never be real, things not there? Farrah heard the doctor bang and scream around in the room. 28. The doctor cursed humanity and complained he had no rest. He asked Sarah when was the last time she had enjoyed sex sexual communion with her husband. If not her husband, then who was the man? Who was to be the father of the child? But as she had come to seek his professional services only, why was Sarah crawling on the floor? Why was she laying, why was she lying flat on the floor, kicking her legs? 29. The doctor says Sarah is a baby. 30. The doctor says Sarah is spiteful. 31. The doctor says he's the only one that remembers Sarah, and he's worked hard to forget her and devoted his life to his work. He pauses because he thinks he's talking to the wrong woman. 32. The woman in the doctor's room has pimples and black hair, so she can't be Sarah or her ghost. He asks her if she's in the wrong room. 33. The doctor wonders who is in his room. 34. The doctor cries, My God, why hast thou deserted me? From Psalm 22, according to the Gospels, Jesus spoke these words during the crucifixion after he had suffered on the cross for three hours. 35. The doctor says he loved humanity and had delivered many babies. He complains that he was often not paid except in trade for rotten food. He complained that Sarah climbed all over him. The doctor never wanted to be a father. 36. The doctor claims he could have been one of the Mayo brothers and cured cancer. Mayo Clinic originated with the medical practice of William Worrell Mayo, M.D., born near Manchester, England. He immigrated to the United States in 1846. He had two sons, William James Mayo and Charles Horace Mayo, who became known as Dr. Will and Dr. Charlie. Sisters of St. Francis said they would raise funds to build a hospital in Rochester if he and his sons would provide the medical and surgical care. In 1889, St. Mary's Hospital was opened by the sisters with three Mayo physicians on staff. By virtue of their surgical skills and efficient management, the Mayo brothers were financially successful and professionally prominent. The Mayo Clinic is still in the U.S. and has opened branches in several countries. The doctor says his strangest case is a woman who believes she is always pregnant with an imaginary baby and suffers from many miscarriages. This woman seems to refer to Esther Longtree, who will be prominent towards the last chapters of the novel. In fact, we'll start hearing from her pretty soon. And shorten this one up too. Okay, I'm sh sorry, I'm shortening this up.
37. The doctor says Sarah asks Sarah to leave him alone so he can attend to his clients. Thirty-eight. Dr. O'Leary says he would give her money or anything she needed to keep her from haunting him with the fact that her child had had no father. Sarah did not have to work in the hotel. He warns her not to touch any of his doctor's instruments or clothes. He claimed the clothes would walk about by themselves and see his patients. The doctor believed, uh, 39, the doctor believed this had happened before and would confuse his patients. He was not a priest. He was angry. Sarah would not answer. A decent question when he put it to her, down on his knees. Did he propose to Sarah at one point? 40, why did she stand there grinning, spitting? 41, the doctor tells Sarah she can't have a child because she died when she was one. Vera heard sounds of a fist fight and the doctor laughing. She did not hear Sarah. 42. The doctor says Sarah died long ago, but now she was a dirty baby crawling on the floor, a senile baby with a fuzzy, with a fuzz of gray hair and a tooth in her head. He cannot love her now that she was old. He's going to call the tavern landlord and turn her out. 43. The doctor says you have rounded from time's beginning to time's end. 44. The doctor cries out and sobs. 45. The doctor sobs. 46. The doctor wonders what Sarah wants. 47. The doctor claims he's given Sarah all the money he has. She could have his car and go anywhere she wanted. 48. The doctor offers her a grape arbor, but he doesn't know where it is. 49. The doctor did not want Sarah in his house, room, his bed. She was too cold, covered in sores, and she smelled like the dead. 50. The doctor cries that Sarah must go away so he can remember her as being beautiful, beautiful because distant and forgotten. 51. The doctor asks, was she his sister? If not, whose sister was she? 52. The doctor wonders why Sarah is disgraced disgracing herself by cleaning out slop jars. She must leave before the pregnant women see her. She could have everything, even his clothes. A naked doctor was better than the clothes without the doctor. Naked we come into this world, and naked we go out of it. 53. The doctor claims Sarah will catch his disease if she stays. 54. The doctor whines, screams, and is beating something. 55. The doctor screams at Sarah to go. 56. The doctor lists all the diseases he knows and that the tavern is not a decent place to die. 57. Oh, my lady gonorrhea, was she beautiful? And 58, the last paragraph, was she her mother's only daughter? Lady gonorrhea. Oh, well, I've got to look that up. <laughs> and the first one that comes up is Lady Gaga. No. So, what is gonorrhea? Is an S S U S? I want to say that. Sexually, S T. Sexual disease. S T D. S T D. So it's a bacteria and causes pelvic inflammatory disease. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to add that, but. Okay, so we just had this crazy chapter with the doctor and Sarah, basically. Like I said, I don't know if Sarah's. So it's kind of weird. 
because there is a tavern lady. There is a tavern lady, and later in the next chapter or two, we, we close up with the chapters about the tavern. There is um, like a, 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 a what you have in a hotel, a maid. There's like maid or laundry service or that kind of stuff, uh, and there is someone who works there and the landlord or the landlord's wife says she's mute. Um, so I don't know if that is, so that's not Sarah per se. Sarah is thinking that's believes he's seen his, uh, baby sister, um, who's now grown old. So I'm not sure. And then there's also that Musadora that, um, picks rags and stuff. But she's not given the same name, so I don't think that's the same person. Um, I think there's, these are all different people. Sarah, the washer, the maid at the tavern, and then Musadora. So I, I believe they're all different people. Oh, chapter 70, we're going to hear about Mrs. Hogden, Logden, Fogden, Dogden, Bogden. <laughs> so that is a really, that's a really good chapter. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye.